All right. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Beach Point. Uh, my name is Bill Stafiri. I'm the senior pastor of Beach Point Church. Uh, we are in week two of a series called This is Living. And I, I don't know if you were here last week for Easter Sunday. I, what better uh, week to kick off a series about being alive than the Sunday you, the, that we announced to the world that Jesus is alive and that there's life in him. And so uh, we, what we began last week was to uh, think about this idea of, of what it is like to find life with him and in him and the fullness of life that God wants to give us. Uh, and, and, and that's what we want to talk about in these next few weeks is, is how is it that we experience the fullness of life that Jesus has. Jesus came to offer you life, uh, eternal life, abundant life. That is his promise. Uh, but for many of us, I think what we realize is life is challenging. Uh, I don't know how many of you were like me. As a kid, I enjoyed running up the down escalator. Uh, I, I, I enjoyed, like, we'd go to, I grew up in Huntington, so we'd go to uh, J.C. Penney's and, and Montgomery Ward's, and my mom would go up, you know, the right one, and I'd be running next to her up the thing, like, hey, look at me, mom, you know, and, and my mom would just smile and, and deal with it. And I'm thankful that my mom just would kind of let me do it. Um, I, I'm a little worried that uh, how I'm going to respond to my daughter when she starts to do it, because I've had enough time to reflect on the metaphor of running up the down escalator. And said, Becca, sit down for a second. Let me explain what this means when you run up the down. Life is like running up a down escalator. That, that you have to work really hard to make progress. And every time you stop, you lose progress. Life is constantly working in decline. Everything that we are, we're going after in life is always, so you better work hard. You better, you better go after it. Now, thankfully, my mom just smiled at me and, and, and just let me do it. But you and I know this, that, that we have to work really, really hard to make progress in life. If we want an abundant life, a full life, we have to work really hard to go after it. And, and uh, well, let's be honest. This is why some of you are waking up at 4.45 to go running in the morning before your job, right? Or you've, you've hired an executive coach because there are these goals in life that you would love to accomplish, but you need like the expert advice of someone to walk in it with you. Uh, or, or maybe it's even why you're here today. Uh, some church, a little bit of church, a little bit of religion, a little bit of God in your life will make a better version of you. And so you, you want the best version of life. You're going after it. You're trying to make good decisions. And, and all this stuff is, I think, we know this. We know that this is what we're after. Uh, but as we're thinking about this, what we realize is we, we want to go after life. It's just kind of innate who we are. But uh, we want to see, uh, what I want us to see in these next weeks is the unique way in which Jesus also wants that life for us. He wants a, a, a full life, a satisfying life, a, a, an eternal life, a, a never-ending life for us. Uh, but the truth is, that we often settle for, for less. Uh, we settle for a lot less than what, we, what would be an abundant life for us. Uh, I love the, the uh, illustration Mike Erie gives in his book, uh, The Jesus of Suburbia. He talks about taking his, his kids to the uh, San Diego, uh, uh, the safari park. And he's got his son at the safari park. And I, some of you have been there. I think it used to be called the Wild Animal Park. And uh, you've got all these lands that are kind of marked out uh, where the different animals roam. And so you get, get this experience of, of being on a safari, seeing the animals in their natural environment as much as can be in San Diego. But you're, you're kind of watching the whole thing uh, happen. They're not in cages. They're just roaming around. And he said the worst part of the whole experience was that right when you walk through the gate, 
there's this tremendous gift shop. And so right away, his son ran into the gift shop. He said it took him 45 minutes to pull his son away from the, the toy elephant and the toy giraffe and the toy rhino. And he's thinking to himself, he's trying to explain to his son, the, the real rhino is out there. Like there, there, there's, there's so much more. And he's, he's trying to convince his kid to pull away from kind of this lesser experience so he could go take in the real experience. Uh, and, and the best thing I loved as he was telling the story is he, he uh, realized that really what was happening was he was reliving his own childhood. Uh, he was reliving what it was like when he was a kid and his parents who had an a, a, a RV and they would travel all over the country and take their kids all over the country, that he and his brother, that all they really cared about was whether or not there was a pool in the campground. And so they'd go to see these great sites all over the country. Uh, but they, they, I mean, imagine this. Imagine being at the Grand Canyon. But you're, and, you're, and you have the opportunity to take in the most majestic views, but your parents can't pull you out of the KOA dirty pool that's, uh, that's there. And, and, and that, he said, that, I, I realized that's what I was doing. Last week we shared this uh, uh, from the book, The Weight of Glory. C.S. Lewis writes this phrase. He says, uh, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. And he says this, that we are are far too easily pleased. And maybe it is that it, what it is that is causing us to miss out on real life is that we're just too easily pleased. Uh, that we, we are. We, we are trying our best to climb up the highest ladder and we get to the top only to discover it's leaning against the wrong building uh, the whole time. And so I want us to think this week a little bit about the the life that Jesus invites us in because what Jesus wants for you, you have to understand what Jesus wants for you is life. Eternal life, never ending, abundant, full, full of love and grace and hope, uh, full of purpose. All these things are things that he wants. Uh, But I want you to see that there's a a teaching Jesus gives of how we experience this life. And so here's the the big idea I want to give you today. Uh, it's kind of the golden thread that we'll see uh, through the passage that we're looking at today. And it's, it's this idea that a life that's connected with Jesus is where, is where this true life comes from, is truly living. This word connected is so important. It's so important. What I, I want you to focus in on is that your life has to be connected to Jesus if you want to truly live. And, and I want you to see the way that he describes it. Uh, why this is important, how this is important, how we experience this. And so this is what we want to see. And so uh, as we go through this, uh, I want to encourage you, we're going to look at at one of his teachings to his disciples. And it's found in John chapter 15. So if you can turn to John 15, there's Bibles in front of you, page 1081. Uh, Think about it this way. To really understand this passage, we, we have to go back to last week. Uh, really the last week of the church. Uh, so last week we had Good Friday. We had Easter Sunday. So we, we remember that last week of Jesus' life. This teaching comes on the Thursday. It comes on the last night Jesus has with his disciples. So if you knew you had one night left with your family, if you knew you had one night left with your closest friends, like what words would you give them? What would you say? What would you do in that last night to say, I... It's so important that I leave you with this. And and this is a part of that experience. So in that last night, uh, Jesus, they they were going to celebrate the Passover meal together. And as the meal began, remember Jesus, he he took off his outer 
uh, garment. He wrapped a towel around his waist. He walked to each and every one, even the one who would, who would betray him. And he washed each of their feet. I mean, what the lowest servant would do. And he said, as I've done this for you, now you do this for, for each other. And then he began to say, he began to talk about how he was going to be leaving them. And, and, but this was a good thing. Because if he left, then the Holy Spirit could come. And the Holy Spirit could be with all of them. His Spirit could be with them wherever they were. That even greater things could happen than the things they'd already seen. But now he gets to this point, and, and he wants to, to teach him something very important. So uh, starting at verse 1, let's read, read the first eight verses. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now let's stop there for a second. And let's look at a couple things, two things I want you to see from this first part. And the first thing is this is that the reason why we want to see our lives connected to Jesus is when we're connected to Jesus, we are connected to the source of life. Notice how he, he teaches that, that, this, that to be connected to him is to be connected to the source of life. So it's this tremendous word picture. God the Father is the gardener. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. Okay, So he lays out everyone's roles and what, what each part you play in this story but he, he's making something very clear that the, the, the vine is where the life comes from. And you and I are not the vine. We are the branches. So it, for a branch to receive life, it has to be connected to the vine. And you see this word, remain. Now this is a very important word. Uh, uh, you might have the word abide. But this word remain or abide, it, it means to be connected. It means to stay close. In fact, 11 different times in this passage, this word is used. So it's a pretty important word, you can tell, to, to John and to Jesus as, as they write this and they give this, this word to us. It involves being uh, connected, uh, 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 dearly, deeply connected together. Uh, when I was thinking about this, I thought back to, um, to my high school days. I, had, I, I, I tricked a girl once in a date. Um, it's not going to. It's nothing dangerous. Um, but I, I, I made a bet thirty years ago with a girl I was working at Penguins Frozen Yogurt. You know, um, hey, uh, here's an idea. If the this is th- so, uh, if the if the Red Sox win the World Series, then I'll take you to Not Scary Farm. But if the Mets win the World Series, uh, you take me to Not Scary Farm. Okay, I was like, that was just the easiest thing. I mean, I won no matter what. 
Because I had been to Not Scary Farm before, and some of you have been to Not Scary Farm, and you know, ladies, right? Where do you stay the entire night at, at Not Scary Farm? Locked on to the arm of whoever, whatever guy has brought you there. And so I knew, like, this is going to be the perfect, it was probably a little too intense for a first date, because to have this person, like, locked onto me the whole time, uh, it, it was a little too much. But when I, when I was thinking about, like, this close, like, this connectedness, I, I immediately thought of this. And this is, the, there's this idea what he's trying trying to say is you, you've got to be this close, this connected, that you're almost, in, really you're inseparable from each other. Because if you're separated from the source, then no life can go into you. I mean, you know, he, he says, look, a, 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 a branch that's disconnected from the source of life, it withers, it dies, it's just kind of thrown away. It's, not, it, it's good for nothing. But if it's connected to the life, if it's connected to the source then the life can flow, the sap can run through from the vine into the branch. There's power, there's substance. And so there's the, it's so important to see this attachment. The, the life comes from the ground through the, the, the vine into the branch. Now Jesus does something very interesting. Notice what he says. He says, he describes himself this way. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. Now this is, these are significant words because all throughout the Old Testament, Israel was known as the true vine. And so what the people of God knew was to be a part of, of, of the people of God, that's what it meant to be a part of the vine. In fact, their, their, the symbol of the vine was prominent in, in uh, like on coins and, and in the temple and all these kinds of things. That symbol was important. So to be a part of, these, of the people of God. Now notice what Jesus is saying. It's not about nationality. That matters. It's not through nationality that you will experience a connection to God. It is through me that you will experience a connection to God and you will experience a connection to the true source of life. Now, this is a very, very bold thing for him to say. And to say this, I mean, think about this for us today. Because in some ways what he's saying is, look, it's not about your affiliations that you're going you're gonna, to, you're, gonna, you're not going to find life by being affiliated to someone. You're going to find life by being connected to the source. And he's saying, I am the source. I think this is, is just as important to us here in a church, 21st century, as it was for them to hear it then. Just as the people then had to hear, just because you're, you're part of this people doesn't mean you're connected to God. And for us, it's easy to think through our associations. Well, my parents are Christians. I go to a Christian church, Beach Point. I, I, I do Christian things as much as possible. That these are the things in which we will, where we will receive life. And Jesus is pushing us past it and saying, no, 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 it's not through affiliations. It is through your connection to me that you experience life. I remember the first time a person asked me if I was a Christian. I was a freshman in high school, sitting in biology class, and this girl, Jennifer, looked across the table, and she, said, she asked me, she goes, are you, are you a Christian? And I had, I'll be honest, the way I, I didn't know, I'd never gone to church. We'd gone to church like a couple times, um, but really never gone to church, and I, I didn't know how to answer the question because the only way I could answer it was through affiliation. So I started thinking through world religions, and realizing, well, Christianity is probably closest to what I would do. And I, and I started thinking of behaviorally and, and, and what I'm most like. So I responded, yes. And she could kind of see through it 
Um, and it was great. She got, I remember her getting this smile on her face, like, all right, I'm putting my, my, I'm going to get this guy. This guy's kind of come to the Lord. Like I, I, she kind of just nodded at me like, you're not a Christian, but I'll get you there. Okay. So, and, and, and I'm super thankful for her in that way. But only way I could think about my life as a Christian, of whether or not I was a Christian was through affiliations. And, and my guess is probably some of you are in that same place, which I will tell you from being there, it, it, it's not the best place to be. It's not the, it's not the life-giving place to be. Because what happened at the end of that year was I met Jesus. And, and I made a commitment to Jesus, and I began to follow Jesus. And as a result of finding Jesus and having my life connected to Jesus, something radically changed in my life. And what changed was all of a sudden this, this life force, this sap began to go through my, my life. And, and, I, and I came alive in ways that I, I had never dreamed possible. And my life began to bear fruit that I, I didn't even know existed. And so my life came because I got connected to the source. And this morning, if, if you're not connected to the source of life yet, this morning, I would encourage you, don't, don't try to find life by affiliations. Your spouse, your parents, your friends or Christians, and you'll kind of feed off their life and energy. Don't try to find life just by coming to Beach Point. We, we can't give it to you. Um, our job is to kind of nurture the life that God has placed in you. But we can't, we can't create life in you. Only Jesus can do that. And I want to encourage you this morning to open your life up to him. Ask him to connect your life to his life. Ask him to place his life through your life and begin to experience his life in your life. So a relationship with God comes through Jesus. Well, here's the second thing I want us to see. And the second thing I want you to write down is this, that when our life is connected with Jesus, we are pruned for more growth. Now, let's be honest. This is the bummer one to write down. Because you're thinking, that's not fair. Because I'm showing fruitfulness in my life. So why prune me if I'm showing some progress here? Like, I'm content with the amount of fruitfulness that I have. But but what we see is this, is that verse 2 says this. He cuts off or he lifts every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. So that, here's why, it will be even more fruitful. More fruitful. What does God want for your life? He wants your life to be fruitful, full, abundant, thriving. So what needs to happen at times? Your life needs to be pruned. Any of you with a green thumb, you understand this concept, but to take away certain things allows just that life to focus and to go and to flow into the places it needs to. How does God prune us? One of the ways is discipline. One of the ways is discipline. One, sometimes God brings tough things into our life or he, 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 he brings tough situations to our life. He disciplines us for the purpose of allowing our life to become more fruitful. The writer of Hebrews explains it this way. The writer of Hebrews says this, that the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Okay, so when that discipline comes, it's not because God hates you. He's mad at you. He wants to, he wants to tear you apart. It's because he loves you. He loves you like his own child. 
And it says that God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. He wants you to experience what he's like. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen? Amen. But later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Any of you who are parents, I know a lot of you are young parents in this room. You're just starting to learn this. And the worst part of learning this is you're like, my mom was right. <laughs> Dang it. I didn't want her to be right when she say, I, you know, this is for you. I love you. It's for your own good. You're like, no, it's not. You hate me. Now you get it because you're on the other side of it. And you understand as a parent that sometimes a parent in your love for your child, you, you discipline your child, not because to make their life worse, but to make their life more fruitful. Sometimes discipline comes in our life and God is, it does it out of love to make our lives more fruitful. Sometimes it comes from suffering and from trials, from difficult things that we experience. And we experience these things and, and, and as we experience these things, look, the, the, uh, in the New Testament, as the church was beginning, they kept finding themselves suffering, struggling, going through difficult things. And over and over again, all throughout the New Testament, you will see this encouragement. Don't give up. Persevere. Let God finish his work. Let him get you through this. Stay close to him. Find strength in him. Because if you let him finish his work, you're, he, he can complete you. He can mature you. He can, you'll find that your life isn't lacking the things that it used to. Listen, James says it so clearly. James chapter 1, he says, Consider it pure joys, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces, okay, the fruit is perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Sometimes we go through challenging seasons, challenging days, and all those things in those days. As we're going through those, we're wrestling through those challenges. We, we sense we, we have to have, what Scripture tells us, have faith. Let God finish what he's doing. Uh, last Friday, uh, I, I, I'll just say this. this is, I think I'm finishing my seventh year as, as a pastor here and I'll tell you, year one was really hard. Year seven has been really hard, especially these last six months. I mean, it's been awesome, but hard. And, and particularly these last months have been really hard. And it's just been exhausting, really tiring. And so last Friday, I come here. Uh, I'm setting, helping to make sure the Good Friday prayer experience is all set up. It's like 6.30 in the morning. Go in the room, make sure it's all set up. Go back out to my son's truck, get in, put the key in, go to start up the car, nothing. And I'm like... Come on. I'm a pastor and it's Easter weekend. Like I get a pass this weekend. Like I, there's no, you know, here, here first world problems. I, there, there's three of us in our family are going to have to figure out how to deal with two cars. Like, you know, trying to think through this whole thing. And so I'm kind of like whining and feeling bad for myself. And so I call my wife. She comes over. We try to jump the car. It doesn't work. I'm just like, ah, I'm so frustrated. So we go through the whole weekend. I'm, I'm stressed thinking through it. And so I get to Sunday morning and now the stress is even worse because my father-in-law is going to be there at service. And now I have to turn in my man card to him because I have to say like, dad, I don't know what's wrong with the car. Can you help me figure it out? And all these kinds of things. 
And so it comes to that, literally, eight, our first service starts at 8.30. At 8.25, the still small voice of God says, maybe the car is not in park. Dang it! I know it. I, now I know it's true. I know that's exactly it. So I run over to the car. I look. It's stuck between reverse and park. I put it in park. I put the key and I start it up. It starts, I like fly over to Tamura, park on the grass, right, run through. And as I'm walking across the parking lot, again, the still small voice of God speaking to my heart, maybe you need to slow down. Maybe you need to slow yourself down. Sometimes pruning comes in all kinds of forms. My wife, you know, she doesn't, no compassion. She's like, well, think of it this way. The car was dead on Friday. It came alive on Sunday. I'm like, you're no help to me, woman. Sometimes we go through a season of pruning, but God, we let God finish his work. And all for this purpose. Notice the last thing. The last thing I want you to see, verses 9 and 11. Why? Because we experience the fruit of love and joy. When our life is connected to Jesus, we experience the fruit of love and joy. The, the point of this passage is that you, your life would be fruitful. Okay? So make sure you hear this. What Jesus wants for you is life. He wants you to experience him in such a way that you're like, this is living. He wants this for you. But notice specifically from this passage what he wants you to experience. Verses 9 to 11. Verse 9 says this. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now take a second. Take a breath. Let's read this again. You may want to underline this in your Bible. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, remain, live in that love. Remain in that love. Experience that love. He says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Think of what he's saying that we have the opportunity, when our life is connected to his, you have the opportunity to experience the kind of love. A love that is more intense, more, it is bigger, it is more, uh, 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 it's so unmeasurable. You have a chance to encounter and experience the kind of love that no other human relationship can give you. The way that God the Father loves God the Son, the way the Father loves the Son, Jesus says, you know how much the Father loves me? It's perfect, it's eternal, it's, he goes, and, and that's, my friends, is how I love you. And you're like, whoa, that's a little big. And I want you to experience that love. I want you to know that love. So, so stay connected to me so you can. And I want your life to be filled with joy. I mean, think of how many things you do in life so that you'll experience joy. I went to the, the, the Angel-Dodger game last night, and as a Dodger fan, there was no joy in what happened last night, okay? But being there, when I walked through the gates, and I saw I, I, the potential of all the hot dogs, and, and just being in there, I was, like my, I was like, oh, I feel alive again. This is good. And then the game finished, and it was like, eh. And he's saying, no, no, no. You know how you chase after all these things, these experiences to get joy? I want to give you my joy, perfect joy. 
And some of you have experienced that before where you've encountered the joy of God so richly, so profoundly that your heart leaped out of your chest that you were like, God, do it again, do it again. Whatever you just were doing there and whatever I was just feeling, I want to feel that again. And he says, that's what I want for you. I want to fill your heart with my joy so that any other joy feels incomplete. I want to complete your heart. I want to complete your life by, by giving you my joy. This is what he wants for you. So how, how, do we, how do we get it? He says two things. Remain in my word. Okay, first thing he says, remember, he says, remain in my word. If my words remain in you, then you will bear fruit. What does this mean? It means, it means we need his voice in our life. We need his teaching. We need his wisdom. We need his coaching. We need his encouragement. And, and when we have that in, in our life, we have perspective. We have wisdom. Life makes more sense. I, 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 would, I would put it next to my golf game. Um, I, I'm not a good golfer, but I'm a big guy. And I grew up playing baseball and I play hockey so I can swing it. Okay, and I can hit I can hit a golf ball pretty far. So I operate with the, the, the strategy of what's called grip it and rip it. So I go up to the tee box and I just want to see how far I can hit the ball. And I just I reach back and whoosh, I just I mean I crush them. I hit balls pretty far for a guy who doesn't know what he's doing. And, and it's really fun to watch because I hit the ball really far from the tee and really far from the hole. Um, <laughs> So most of the time, I, the people I'm playing with just say things to me like, man, you can really hit the ball far. You should get some lessons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, when I play with my friend Dan, Dan's different. So Dan's my best friend. I've grown up with him. He's my college roommate. And Dan, Dan will speak wisdom. Dan's a very good golfer. And Dan will say little things, encouraging things. He, he'll never, he, he just says the right things. A little piece of advice little piece of encouragement, something that slows me down, something that changes my focus. And what I notice is when I play with Dan, I, I don't hit the ball as far from the tee, but I hit it closer to the hole. And this is, this is the point of having his voice in our life, is that you and I, you and I need his words. We need, his, we need his wisdom. We need his coaching in our life. We need Jesus' words. Remain in my words. Stay, let, let my words stay in your life and you will bear fruit. This is why this year, I don't know if you've noticed, uh, every series we've given you uh, a devotional. So uh, uh, something, in fact, right now when you leave today, there's a, a week two devotional for, for this series. And it's been built around two, two things. Uh, to be intentional at the start of the day. And to be reflective at the end of the day. So intentional. Our hope, our prayer for you is that you will learn to be intentional with Jesus as you start your day. Some days, I, what I try to do is just, even as a discipline, as I roll out of bed, I, I, I'll sit at the edge when my feet touch the floor. I'll, I'll pray something like, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And I'll say, Lord, today is for you. 
And I'll find a quiet place and I'll sit and I'll read some scripture and I'll pray and I'll pray for my 8 to 15 and the opportunities maybe God will give me. But the, the goal is intentional. This day is yours. What do you want to say into, what do you want to speak into my life? What do you want to do? How do you want to prepare me for the day? And at the end of the day, to be reflective. What did, what, what did we do together? What, where did I see you? Where, and, and so there's a chance to catch some of that stuff, to give praise, to make confession, to prepare my heart even for the next day. Remain in his word. And then finally he says, remain in his love. If my love remains or abides in you, you will bear fruit. This love that we mentioned, this this love that is so intense, it's so beyond any other thing. Think of it this way. Here's how he describes his love for you. He does it two verses later. He says this, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Jesus is not being philosophical here. He's not being poetic. He's being prophetic. Do you want to know the the depth of his love? The depth of his love was demonstrated for you that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. This is why it's so important that even when we fail, and we feel like we should avoid God because we feel guilt and we feel shame, that we run to God, not away from him. Because when he went to the cross, he didn't go there because our lives were all fixed and all cleaned up. He went there while we were sinners. Remain in his love. And so I want to give you an encouragement. One, one piece of encouragement I would give you is, look, if you don't have a life group, I'd encourage you to sign up for a life group today because you need a group of people that will help you remain in his word and remain in his love. Go out on the patio, talk to Jason and Mike and figure out where they can put you. But I want us to close because, and, and pray because it's springtime for us here at Beach Point. It's not just spring because it's April. Look around. You see it, don't you? You see the little buds, the blooms, the, the, the signs of fruit and life all around this church. And I don't want any of you to miss what God's doing in our church right now. I want you to be a part of it. I want you to experience this life. And so we want to pray for that. So as we close, we're going we're gonna to sing some songs. And these first two songs, I want you to just use them to thoughtfully, or you can sing them, whether you sing or listen or, or just contemplate them. I want you to use them as, as prayers. But when we get to the last song, I want to invite you to words of declaration, words of commitment to say to the Lord himself, the source of life, to say to Jesus himself, to say, here is my heart. Here is my life. And in saying that, in essence, you're saying, apart from you, I can do nothing. My life must be connected to yours. And so let's bow together. Take a moment just to quietly reflect if there's, maybe there's some pruning he's doing in your life. You may want to thank him as hard as that is. You may want to ask him for a part of your life that you want more, to be more fruitful. But take a moment uh, to pray in just a moment. We'll sing. And as we come to that last song, that last chorus, let that be your declaration today.